Well, morning, everyone. Nice to be with you this morning. Nice to see you. And morning, everyone who's joining us online today. Thanks for being with us. Hope you're enjoying and uh, getting through yeah, your teas and coffees at home or whatever else you're having. And it's great to see you all. So today I wanted to talk about uh, something or a few things that we can celebrate. So the past um, week or so with new restrictions now being introduced. And isn't it gone cold is anyone else feeling cold this week? And is anyone put the heating on yet? Come on, confess. Is anyone? Oh, plenty of you. Fair play. Get a jumper on. Uh, it's cold, but today I want to focus on, you know, we've got lots of great things to think about and to celebrate. And I want to remind us of the, the good news that we have, that we live with every day, and that we've been talking about this morning already. And in Romans 5, um, oh, here we are. This is, this is everyone's plans being cancelled this week. But in Romans 5, it says this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And today I want to talk about God's love for us. And the first thing is this, that God's love is unconditional. God loves you unconditionally. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to qualify for it. His love for you is unconditional and unchanging. I just want to pause for a minute, though, before we move on and unpack this a bit further, because sometimes when we talk about God's love, we can be familiar, oh, God loves you, and we can switch off a little bit, or it can sound like a little bit soppy, a little bit wet, but actually, God's love is powerful, and it's a source of strength and courage for our lives. It shows itself strongly, and I was thinking about this, and it reminded me, a few years ago, I saw this video of this father and son, called, and they were called Team Hoyt, that's their surname. And this uh, lad, um, Rick Hoyt, uh, when he was, uh, he was born with cerebral palsy and it was very severe. Um, but his parents, you know, as they were raising him, he was really intelligent and they, began, they taught him from home at first and eventually they helped him get into his local school and he was doing really well. And then when he was 15, uh, one of his friends at school had an accident and they, they became, they were paralyzed and the school was putting on like a charity race to raise money for, for this lad for some of his treatment. And Rick, he said to his dad, can we join in the race? Because he wanted to show his friend that like life goes on and there's like life beyond um, this disability that he, he had. And so they, they ran this race together and his dad pushed him in the wheelchair. And after the race, he said to his dad, he said, Dad, when we were running together, it felt like I wasn't handicapped. And that's what he said to his dad. And so after that, every day when his son went to school, his dad began to train running with a wheelchair and like put weights on it and began to train so they could take part in races together. And then over the years, they began to enter, you know, 5Ks and then 10Ks and then half marathons and then marathons, and then even Ironman triathlons. And over, uh, up to, over like 30 years, they ran and competed in over 1,130 events together. And they did 72 marathons and six Ironman triathlons together. And they've become this amazing team. They're famous all over the world. They've been like inducted into Ironman Hall of Fame. 
and they do it together because, you know, it brings life to the sun. And it's, it's such an amazing, when you watch this, uh, you can find them on YouTube and watch their videos. It's fantastic. And as I was watching, I was thinking, wow, you know, what would motivate a father to go and train and, you know, and get all these special equipment and do this so they can do this together, father and son, and live this experience and life together, father and son. What is it that inspires a man to do that? It's love. Love for his son. Love inspires. Love is powerful. Love shows, it shows itself strongly. And God's love empowers us to be courageous. So that's the first thing. God's unconditional love is courageous. And is courageous for you. I was thinking about Derek Redmond. You might remember this. In the Olympics, like a long time ago. Some of you probably weren't even born when this happened. I was only two, to be fair. It was back in 1992 in the Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redmond. He was a British runner. I think maybe the 400 meters. And as he was running around uh, in the race, he pulled his hamstring. And I don't mean like when Adam's not winning the egg and spoon race and he's, you know, all oh, my hamstrings hurt. And I mean the proper, you know, he tore his hamstring. He pulled up in pain. I don't know where Adam is. And uh, he was, you know, he's in agony, and he's down on the floor, but he wanted to finish the race. It was his dream to get to the Olympics. He wanted to finish the race. So he got up, and he began to limp to the finish line. And then all of a sudden, while he's limping along, and the cameras are on this, you know, one person is the only one left on the track, suddenly this man bursts onto the track and runs towards him. All the security guards are chasing after him, and it's his father. And when his father saw his son down on the track, struggling and in pain, his first thought was to get up and run to him. He ran through the barriers, he pushed past the security guards, and he runs to his son, he picks him up, and arm in arm, they walk and get to the finish line together. And it's like when that father was, you know, he's in the crowd, you know, it's probably loads of people to get through, but when he saw his son, there was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to his son to help him over to the line. And he put, even pushes past security, and that's like what God's love is like for us. God's love for you is like that. When he sees you, he rushes towards you. He won't let anything get in the way. God's unconditional love for you is courageous. And it was, uh, this is what it says in 1 John 4. This describes it. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And God's love for you is so strong that it motivated, it empowered, it gave Jesus the courage to go all the way to the cross and to be crucified in our place, taking upon himself the sin of the world and all the things that we have done wrong and all the things that would separate us from God so that he could take it from us so that nothing would prevent us from having relationship with God and experience the freedom and goodness and love that he has for us in our lives. And so in doing so, you know, God's love, it broke the power of sin and it broke the power of death. God's love is so strong that it conquered death itself and we do not need to be afraid of death because we don't die. Death is not the end. We have eternity, eternal life that comes through Jesus because Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive now. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we too receive the gift of eternal life and we do not die, but we go and we are part of eternity with Jesus and with the Father and with our loved ones and all those who put their faith in Jesus for their lives. Isn't that an amazing thing? 
And so just like Derek Redmond's father ran to his side, that's what God does to us. He runs to our side to be with us and he walks with us every step of the way and he fills our hearts with the Holy Spirit and with God's love so that we can know that and experience it in our lives day in, day out. Like it says here again, therefore, since we've been made right with God, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There's a few occasions over the years where I've prayed for people for healing and um, they've been healed and they aren't Christians. And what has surprised me is often what has struck them the most is not that they've been healed, which is amazing, but that they've experienced God's love for the first time and they've felt God's love in their life. I remember praying for this one lady, Anne, who'd come, her children come to a load of the projects we run at Penland and she'd come to our Easter experience and Christmas experience and loads of things over the years. And a few people had prayed for her in the church. And one time I was dropping something around to their house for the uh, kids with one of the projects and stuff. And she was telling me about her arthritis and how her hands were all swollen in pain. And so I offered to pray for her. I prayed for her that in the name of Jesus, the pain would go. And it did. And she could move her fingers freely and she was amazed. But the first thing that she said when she opened her eyes is she said, wow. She said, I felt like a, a beam of love rush right through me. I've never experienced anything like that before. And she had encountered ex- and experienced God's love. And amazingly, she's, she's given her life to Jesus. She's become a Christian. She's a part of Gendros Church, which is just around the corner from where she lives. And so God's love is real and tangible and is for us to experience in our lives. This brings us to number three, which is God's unconditional love meets us where we are. God's love comes to you and meets you right where you are. I love that kid spot from Tom this morning. Thank you, Tom. Should we give him another clap? He's been doing amazing kid spots all the way through lockdown. And Tammy, thank you. And uh, so in that, you know, a few weeks ago as well, I spoke on Zacchaeus when they first showed that kid's spot. And, you know, the crowd was shocked when Jesus invited himself over Zacchaeus' house. Because, not to go into all the details, but tax collectors, you know, it was bad news. It was bad business. You know, they were, they were seen as traitors. In, in, like, you'll see in the Gospels, there was like a phrase, it's tax collectors and sinners. It was like, you know, they were kind of the untouchables in society. You know, people couldn't believe if you were a tax collector. Like, why would you be a... So anyway, Zacchaeus, people were shocked. But when you're reading it, you know, Zacchaeus, he's climbing a tree. He's trying to get a look at Jesus. You kind of, you kind of know that something's going to happen, isn't it? You kind of think, oh, maybe Zacchaeus is having a change of heart. You can kind of see it coming a little bit. It's not so much of a surprise. But when Jesus calls Matthew, or he's also called Levi, um, this is it's amazing. Let's read this together. It's, a little, it's like Zacchaeus, but it's like next level. It says this. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So Levi got up and followed him. So, you know, Zacchaeus is up the trees, kind of going to see Jesus. 
Matthew is in his tax collector's booth. He's collecting people's taxes. He's in the middle of it. He's like he's been caught in the act. And that's where Jesus calls him. Whilst he's in the middle of doing the job that everyone hates and everyone knows bad, Jesus says, come and be my disciple. He's like in the middle of it. Because you imagine if I said, someone's getting mugged outside and Jesus walks up, come and be my disciple. Do you know what I mean? You'd be like, what the heck is going on? Matthew is in the middle of tax collecting when Jesus calls him to follow him. God's love meets us where we are. He comes to us. It's not a fantastic thing. And God's unconditional love for us is unchanging. God's unconditional love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on like how well you're doing. It's unchanging. And sometimes it's hard for us to get our head around this because so much of what we experience in life is like assessed and monitored. And like our value is being judged all the time by our, by our performance. Even like, you know, when everyone now they got their Fitbits on or with their phones counting how many steps they're doing. We're like getting our stats every day. How well are we doing? Or obviously, if you know, if you go for a job interview, they want to look, you know, have you got the skills or the experience that match the criteria? Those who are just starting university, you had to get the grades to get in. Or even Beth, who used to work in a local supermarket, they used to get monitored on their scan rate to make sure you were scanning enough products per minute, wasn't it? And if you didn't scan enough, you could get called in. Everything's getting monitored and assessed. And, you know, that's not all bad things, but even, even small things and sometimes things that aren't that great. So I remember back when we were kids and in school was that um, for Chloe, I think it was, for PE... You had to have the right carrier bag for your PE kit. I don't just mean like, I don't mean like the actual bag that you took to school. I mean the like, the carrier bag that your PE kit went into, that went inside your actual bag. And for the girls, they had to have, you know, couldn't just be like as the shopping bag. They had to go out and get a Jane Norman bag for their PE kits, otherwise it would be ridiculed. You can, you can just set up with your Tesco Value bag, and I think you had to go, mum had to go and buy some socks or something, or like the, a bracelet from Jane Norman, the cheapest thing, just to get the carrier bag. It's crazy, the, the little pressures that we experience all the time to be accepted, or to be part of the group, or to be welcomed, or you know, just every single day. But the amazing thing about God's love for us and the way that God welcomes us is it's not based on our performance. It's not based on that. Look at this psalm in Psalm 139. It says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And so here we see that God, he knows us and loves us before we were even born. Before we've done anything of note or achieved anything, he knew us and he loved us even then. And I think this is really important to remember, especially during lockdown, where maybe the things that we normally do, some of us are jobs or other things that we're a part of, we're not able to do them anymore. And some of the things where we find some of our meaning or purpose or value have been taken away from us right now. Maybe we're stuck at home or maybe we, you know, we're on furlough or made redundant or other things. I want to encourage you 
that you do have a purpose and that God loves you. And that those things where maybe we used to find some meaning and value and purpose, that's been taken away, that you are, you are not robbed of any value or any perf- of, of who you are or what your life means or your significance or your importance. For God loves you. And like it says here, every moment was laid out before a single day was passed. He has a purpose for you, even now, with the things that you're going through. And we have a value beyond what we, what we know. And then secondly, what we see here is that God knows us totally. God knows everything about us. You know, all our faults, all the little things that we might try to hide from others when we, you know, putting our best show on or whatever. God knows us completely. He knows everything about us. And yet, he still loves you. He still wants relationship with us. He doesn't push us away. He knows us completely. And he welcomes us to him. And I remember a few years ago when in one of our projects at Penland, we'd had this young lad been coming along to some of our different clubs. And over the course of maybe a year where he'd been coming to different ones, he'd been like moved schools like, like three or four times. And because we were involved in three or four, well, four or five primary schools, we'd seen him in all the different ones. And he'd been excluded from these different ones. He'd had a really tough um, background and been through a lot. And I remember one time he walked into the club, didn't he, Beth? And he came up to me and Beth and he just went, do you like me? And it was like this little lad who'd ex- you know, experienced real challenges. He knew that we knew the things that he was going through and we'd seen him excluded from all the different places. And, and he was asking like, you know, you know, you know me and you know what I'm like you still like me? And it was like in a 10-year-old, he wasn't, afraid, he wasn't like afraid to say the question sometimes we're all thinking. And God, he knows us totally and he loves us and we're welcome with him. And that has a transforming power in our lives. We see that in the life of Zacchaeus when Jesus said, I want to come to your house. How his life was transformed from that moment, knowing that we are fully known and fully loved is an amazing thing and is true for each one of us. And that's number five, that God's unconditional love heals. And if you watch the Alpha course, on the third episode on why did Jesus die, there's an amazing testimony of this guy called Shane Taylor that he shares. And if you haven't watched Alpha yet, I'd really encourage you to do it. And if you go on our website, then you can um, click on the Alpha page and you can sign up for when we do the next one. And he shares his story. It's going to be a bit of a spoiler alert now, but there we go. Uh, mute if you want to. But um, so he, he grew up and he got into van, uh, gangs and into um, gang violence and things. And he, he was sent to prison. And whilst he was in prison, he tried to stab a, a police officer. So he, and he started a riot. So he got moved to a maximum security prison. He was often in um, like the self-isolation um, things and stuff and he, you know it was rough and he shares a bit of his story and he says how when he was in this maximum security prison he met another prisoner who whilst in prison had become a Christian and this prisoner began to share his faith with him and how it had changed his life and he was like he wasn't really interested but it intrigued him a little bit and um, eventually he ended up going on an alpha course uh, in prison and so someone invited him along, and he, he said, to be honest, he just went for the coffee and the biscuits and to get out of his cell for a few hours. But as he went along, the pastor who was hosting it, you know, was discussing with him, and one day offered to pray with him. And they prayed together. And he said, the fir- he prayed the first 
prayer that he'd ever prayed. And this is what he said. He said, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And with all the challenges of life and the destruction that he had caused others, it was just like this self-loathing. He said, Jesus, come into my life because I hate who I am. And he said, as he waited, he suddenly had this, he said he had this energy feeling rising up in his stomach more and more and more and more. And then until suddenly, and this is like hard man, hard reputation, you know, in starting riots in prison, he suddenly burst into tears and just began to cry and cry and cry. And he was like, I was trying to stop myself. I just couldn't. It was more coming out, more coming out, more coming out. And he was impacted. God's love met him where he was, right there. And released a healing in his life. And all the pain and all the anger and all the self-loathing was released. And that, he says, was a turning point in his life. And his life completely changed from there. And he went on to yeah, find healing in his life. To turn from a life of anger and violence. He went and sought out people that he'd hurt in his life so he could um, ask them for forgiveness. He goes back into prisons and helps young lads who were in the place that he was. And his life has been transformed and he's been healed. And it's by the unconditional love of God, which is powerful and strong and which is for each and every single one of us and can bring healing and freedom and transformation in our lives for all the different things that we face and the things that we can go through. And so lastly, God's love empowers us to live out the calling to follow Jesus. When I was a teenager... I started a job at a fast food chain. I was 16. To get this job, it was a fairly extensive interview process, especially for a 16-year-old. So first of all, I had a group interview. There was like 12 of us. We all had like an interview together. We'd do these different exercises. And then out of that group of 12, maybe like four of us um, then got picked to have a one-on-one interview. So we had a one-on-one interview. And then after the one-on-one interview, if you pass that, then you got a trial shift. And then after the trial shift, then you got the job. So I managed to get through. I'd failed like an interview already with this one, so I was hoping I got this one. My first job interview, I was interviewed for a four-hour Saturday job at Clark's Shoes, and I was the only one going for the job. There was no one else for the interview, and I still didn't get it. I didn't know enough about shoe fashion. <laughs> but there we go. Anyway, so back to the... So, so we went through this extensive interview process, finally get, get to the job, but then when we started the job, it's probably better now, but they were literally just... You just started. I... They just like, okay, off you go. And they used to have these really old tills. It's not like the tills now. It had like a thousand buttons on it, all the different possible combinations. And I was working in one in the summer holidays. It was busy every single day. And you get people, oh, can I have my hamburger without gherkins? I just remember like having no idea at all what to do and just this queue getting longer and longer and longer and it was an absolute nightmare because you were just and you were trying to get people to help you we just had no idea there was like no training at all you were just thrown into it and the worst thing was where I was it was one next to a service station so sometimes you'd be busy anyway kids whatever got stuff going on have no you know no gherkins whatever you'd be trying to do it and then suddenly in the corner of your eye you would see a coach like driving into the car park and your heart would just sink because, you know, it's like 60 people getting off. They got like 20 minutes, you know, a 20 minute, half an hour stop. And you'd just be like, oh, no. So it was a nightmare. So you had all this, like, you know, to get in. And then it was like no training. Jesus isn't like that. 
When Jesus calls us to follow him, he is with us every single step of the way, and his love empowers us to follow him. I love how when Jesus called Peter, this is what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. See what Jesus says? Come and follow me. Stick with me. Be with me. And I will make you a fisher of men. I will do it. Jesus will do it. Jesus empowers us to follow him and to live for him. And when we accept Jesus' invitation and accept that welcome of his love to become a part of, uh, into relationship with him, when we experience his forgiveness in our lives and begin this journey, he doesn't just say, okay, over to you, good luck, off you go. But he walks with us step by step and we partner together. And as we learn to trust him and to see the good and things that he has for our life and we begin to take steps of obedience and we step into the plans that he has for us every single day, we can do this together. And Peter, who Jesus called, he had many ups and downs, as we know. He even denied knowing Jesus in the most crucial moment. But Jesus has said, I will make you a fisher of men. And Jesus, he didn't give up on Peter. Even when Peter almost gave up on Jesus, Jesus didn't give up on Peter, but he restored him and he stuck with him. And for us too, Jesus has called us to follow him and to do life with him and have a purpose with him. And so when we make mistakes or when we mess up or when we feel like we've let ourselves down, God is not angry with us. He's not pushing us away. He doesn't treat us in that way. He runs to us and he says, come, come with me. Let me help you. Let me restore you. Let me be with you. Let's walk this together. Let's do this together. Stick with me. I'm sticking with you. Stick with me. I've chosen you. Trust me. Let's do this together. And as we partner with Jesus, he empowers us through the Holy Spirit and through his courageous and empowering love to follow Jesus and do life together. And so for us today, God's love is so important for our lives. And so let's stay rooted in God's love. We're made for it and we need it. God's love strengthens us. God's love heals us. God's love reassures us. God's love speaks to our hearts and to our minds and to our spirits to remind us that we have eternal life before us and we do not need to be afraid. And so as I finish the talk today, I want to encourage you and remind you, let's make space in our daily lives to meet with God so he can fill us with the Holy Spirit and with his love because we need it for our lives. Precious this last week has been working nights, first set of nights in the hospital. And so everything's back to front. She was starting at 9 p.m., finishing at 9 a.m. So you'd be like getting up and having your breakfast at like seven o'clock. So she had lasagna for breakfast with me one night. That's weird, isn't it? And then like trying to eat something in the middle of the night and then coming home and instead of having dinner, having cereal, and then going to bed. It's like all back to front. But now she's like, you're not working nights anymore. So back to normal, isn't it? So getting back into a normal routine. But could you imagine if like she wakes up tomorrow and makes herself lasagna for breakfast before going into work at 9 a.m.? I mean, if you really love lasagna, you might. But you wouldn't, would you? And in the same way for us, you know, with lockdown restrictions, changes of jobs, September, kids going back to school, we can get out of our normal rhythm and we can find ourselves, you know, in, in a strange kind of rhythm. And like with press, you know, you're eating strange and you're snacking when you can. We're not eating properly. For each of us, 
encountering God's love is fuel for our lives. It's food for our lives. So sometimes we get out of rhythm a little bit, but I want to encourage you, let's not stay out of rhythm a week later, two weeks later, a month later, and it'd be December, and we're still out of rhythm of connecting with God and spending that time with him and drawn from his love. I want to encourage you tomorrow, start Monday, get back into a rhythm of meeting with God, praying, reading our Bible, worshiping, sticking together, being with small group, whether that's on Zoom or whether it's in our safe circle experience. Let's get into that rhythm because we need God's love in our lives and it's there and it's ready for us. As Paul wrote in Ephesians, he says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that God, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So this week, let's, let's get our roots once again growing down into God's love to keep us strong for all the things that are going on in our world and in our lives right now. How does that sound? So before we finish, well, why don't we do that straight away? So I'm going to invite the band up and they're going to um, just play in the, in the background for us and maybe sing in a little bit. But would you like to stand with me? And if you're at home, you can join in. You can stand if you want to. You can just close your eyes. And I just want to give a few moments for us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us with God's love again. And whether, it's, whether you need strengthening today, whether you need peace and reassurance, whether you need healing, whether you need empowering, God's love does all of these things. So why don't we close our eyes and we're just going to take a few minutes and... Let's pray. So Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. And we pray and ask right now, would you fill us again with your unconditional love? Would you pour your strength into our hearts? Would you empower us as we follow you and do life with you? And would you help us this week to put our roots down deep into your love that we can draw from all that you have for us. We pray would we experience your love in a new and deeper way than we ever have before. Would you continue to speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen.